You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Uh, So I spoke two weeks ago, um, and that message was more of an emotional dump message. Um, You know, like sometimes you have messages that are put together more notes and, and line upon line, and then other times I think it's very important to share from your heart, what's going on. Obviously, all of it should be from the heart, but I shared, if you weren't here, kind of shared some things that I realized were going inside of me, going on inside of me. Um, And I wanted to, I wanted to take the next step from that. So what do you do with it? So I shared some things that had happened. You know, we've been in uh, full-time ministry for almost 20 years now, something like that, which isn't long for some people. It's a long time for us uh, because it's, it was, no, whatever. 18 years, 19 years, something like that. This is a long time for us. So, um, because we've been there for every single day of it. And, uh, but we've loved full-time ministry. We absolutely, we've loved everything about it. Um, the breakthroughs that you get to see, you get to walk with people, you get to be with people, you get to dream, uh, you know, God dreams over whatever city you live in. Uh, I just thought about it today. We've moved, as of yesterday, we've moved to five different houses in seven years. Crazy, right? Not five cities, but five houses in seven years. We've bounced around, and we've done things, and we've been all over the world uh, just just running with God and having fun and seeing miracles and crazy things. And uh, man, I was recounting it today. I woke up earlier this morning uh, than I usually do, and um, we're, we're out on our property now, and I walked to the back of the property. I had to put bug spray on because I was wearing shorts because it's Georgia. I'm like, who puts bug spray on at seven in the morning? People that live in Georgia, that's who. <laughs> or Louisiana or any of those places. But I uh, put some bug spray on my legs because I got to go to Cancun. I don't want to look like I have scabies or something. And walked out to the back of the property. We have this large opening and uh, was just standing there and and just recounting some of the things. Like sometimes you have to remind yourself the things that God has done with you or you've got to do with God, right? Um, there's a fun story uh, Bill Johnson tells uh, about a mouse and an elephant that walk across a bridge together and they get to the other side of the bridge and the mouse looks back and, at the elephant and says, man, I really shook that bridge, didn't I? And uh, that's, that's kind of like life with God, you know? You just feel amazing because you get to walk with a giant and it just shakes everything everywhere you go. And sometimes it feels like, you know, you have a pretty big part in it, but you're the mouse. So I was, I was on the... I was out on the back of the property, and I was standing there. It was a beautiful morning this morning. It was pretty warm already. Um, but I was just recounting some of the things. Like, uh, it was awesome, man. Just standing there, so quiet. All that I could hear is birds singing this morning, um, and then little bees flying by because we've got six beehives out there. And so these little bees are just en route working. And uh, I was thinking of, of everything. I was thinking New York, Jesus Culture New York. We had a, a Jesus Culture tour that I got to go with the Jesus Culture band and speak every night on a tour. And um, one of them was in, one of the nights was in um, Times Square in New York. And we got the, the Best Buy Theater, which is on the corner in the co- main corner of Times Square right there, the Best Buy Theater. And we packed it out with young radicals. Uh, and I remember uh, speaking and just telling testimonies of the goodness of God. And this girl raised her hand while I was speaking. And <laughs> if you know me, then you know I'm going to call on her, even though we're in a, a huge conference, like massive people. We're doing, you know, there's thousands of people there. I'm like, yeah, what's up? <laughs> and um, nobody else on that would do that. And um, she lifted up a piece of paper and she shared that uh, she had written down her last uh, letter that she would ever write. It was her suicide note. And she wrote it all out because um, that night she was going to take her own life. And her friend called her and said, hey, I'm going to this really cool concert thing. Uh, You should come with me tonight. And so she thought, you know what? What's it going to hurt? I'll go to the cool concert thing and then I'll finish my plans. And she came to the cool concert thing. And little did she know, uh, Jesus had other plans for her life. She got rocked by the presence of God. Um, and the Holy Spirit just like commandeered her plans, and she ended up walking to the front of the stage in front of thousands of people and setting her note down and giving her life to Jesus right there. Like in a group of thousands, Jesus goes, you. Just singles out. How how amazing is God? Um, And just the story after story, and I told a bunch of stories uh, 
last time I spoke, but just, I was, I was recounting some of the stories, just so, so good. Um, but I, so two weeks ago, I spoke about uh, some things that, you know, like being in ministry full time, people are like, there's a funny meme. Um, it's Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean, whatever. And he's, my brain just paused. And he's, uh, it's the scene where he's running down the beach and all those like half alive, like skeletal pirates are, are running after him, right? He's running down the beach like this and there's like 150 of them right behind him. And the meme says, be a pastor, they said. It'll be fun, they said. And, um, <laughs> and people are like, oh, it must be such a fun job. And I'm like, yeah, it is. And um, no, it really is. It's wonderful and it's amazing. Uh, I, I think one of the things that's hard is um, unlike a job where you would clock in and clock out and, and maybe not fully invest all your heart and emotions in, um, it, ministry is different because you are fully vested at a life level with people. And so unlike, and some of you, obviously you have that in your jobs, in your daily jobs, um, but in ministry, uh, it's, it's life and heart and, and you're trying to build family, which the church throws the word family out there a lot. We really want to do family here. Like we want to, we want to uh, break the, the norm of using a word without being the word, right? Like we want to do family here. How do you do that with people that are shotgun blast all over this area? That's the question, right? And so you fully invest yourself. You fully give your heart. And, and this is the big one. You have to fully trust not just God, but people, because the dreams that God puts on a family like this, you just have to be all in or all out. There's no part way, you know, like there's no, you can't halfway do a God dream. There's no one foot in, one foot out with God dreams. God dreams are I'm all in or I'm all out, right? Like that's it. And so you fully invest yourself. And unfortunately, while God is completely trustworthy with your heart and your life. Unfortunately, sometimes people aren't, right? Sometimes people will disappoint you. Sometimes you have false, I was thinking about it this morning, sometimes you have false expectations. Sometimes your expectations of other people are higher than they should be. And sometimes you put all your chips on somebody else's table and expect them to play the right hand, right? And sometimes they play a different hand and that's not what you expected and it hurts you. Other times people do bad things on purpose, right? And they hurt you. So um, over the years, we've, we've experienced some of that. And, that, and it's, that's a thing, it happens. Like it happens to everyone, right? It happens to everyone in life. Every single person in here, I imagine, can show me a scar from a relationship that you had that didn't work out well, right? Maybe, maybe we need to pull a dagger out of your back still. Maybe the scar's not healed yet. You know, maybe some of it's fresh. Um, but through the years, we've experienced some of that stuff. And, and we've lost friends, and, and, we've, and we've lost people. Like, we've, ha we've had close friends die, you know? And, and just all the different stuff that happens. And, and when we were in California, we were in the trenches. Um, the school we had in California was um, a beautiful school, uh, but it was, it was not... Um, it was the emergency room of schools of ministries. It was uh, a lot of the students, not all of them, but a lot of the students would be sent to our school because their, their lives were in a place where they desperately needed a miracle. They needed Jesus to walk with them. They needed discipleship, right? Am I right? Yeah, these guys would know. And, um, and so some of the students that we got came with, and this is the funny part, I, Lacey and I would counsel all week long, so it's a full-time school, I would be in the office all week long hearing people's stories, counseling, um, and every student that would come in, the first time they would meet with me, they would say, I'm about to tell you, I, I'm going to tell you my story, but this is the worst story you've ever heard, and I'd be like, go for it, <laughs> because the person that sat here before you, the couch is still warm, said the same thing, funny enough, and we did that for four years straight, full-time school, and we, we saw great victories, but we also had, like, we had a student that took his own life while we were there, and it just takes, I mean, that's just like, you know, if you're giving yourself to walk with people, and then that happens, oh, man, I mean, we were out on the beach looking because nobody knew where he was. We were out on the beach searching for this young man. Um, yeah, it was rough. So those things happen. Like you give yourself and you keep moving forward, 
right? And this is, that's the resilient nature of human beings is we are made with everything facing forward. Our noses are forward, our mouths are forward, our eyes are forward, our ears are forward, our feet walk forward, they face forward. It's harder to walk backwards, right? Even though I do it every Sunday over and over, I put on laps up here. I need one of those watches that tells me, because, but it's harder to work, but walk backwards. You don't get around town like this, right? You're not like, this doesn't work. I, we, ha- we were born with no review mirror. We have no mirror facing backwards. Why? Because we are meant to move forward. Sometimes, though, our natural design is not the best solution when we experience pain. Uh, and, and Randall, it was beautiful because I talked and then Randall came and Randall talked about transforming your pain so you don't transmit your pain, you know? And, and that is the huge thing. Like, this is what we've taught our students for years is if you, if you walk around your pain and try to skirt around your pain and go on with life, then it ends up being a Michael Jackson thriller video. Because sometime later down the road, those things will dig themselves back up out of the ground that you buried, and they will dance around in your life, and they will terrorize your neighborhood. Like, <laughs> this is how it works. We, you know, people, I don't know about you, but I'm a fix-it person. Um, and, and, Sometimes I need to put my hands in my pockets instead of trying to fix things. And I learned, I learned that with, with uh, marriage, man. You can't, like, if <laughs> any husbands out there, your wife shares something and you're like, try to fix it. Don't try to fix it. Unless it's the house, then definitely try to fix it. And, you know, and keep trying to fix it. But if it's them, don't try to fix it. These things face forward and there's two of them in one of these. So shut this and listen with these. That's, that's it. And I'm still learning it. But I'm a fix-it person. So I try to fix things. And, and, and you try to, I don't know about you, but anybody that fixes things, you try to fix things in the least amount of time, right? Because why would you want to spend more time fixing something if you could do it faster, right? So you, you do it quick and you, you keep moving. The problem is with matters of the heart, you can't just fix it and move on. We live in a fast food society. If there's one nation on the planet that, that has perfected the art of consumerism, is that the way to say it? It's us. This is a new one. If, if we've learned, it's, it's Western Christianity. We have become consumers just like the culture we sit in is so consumer-based. It's, and, and I will give you a Yelp review. And I, you know what I mean? Like, and we come to church that way sometimes too. And we deal with our lives that way. Like you can't contract out healing in your heart. You, you can't get that food delivered to your porch, right? In 15 minutes or less. Like, and you can't tip somebody into doing it. Like, there's the matters of the heart are the things that we have to fully be intentional about walking through instead of walking around. You have to learn to walk through pain or you will revisit pain over and over and over again. And the thing about God is this. God is faithful 100%. And we say amen because we're thinking about God being faithful. But God is so faithful that he will faithfully be patient with you as you run around that same track every time. And this is the thing. You know, when your kids are too young to walk, you walk for them. Well, first you walk for them, and then you hold them, and you walk, and they think they're walking. And you're like, yeah, and you're not gonna let them fall, right? Because that's just mean. But when they get to a certain point, and they're walking on your, their own, you have to let them fall. You have to let him, dude, Judah had the biggest forehead. We called it a five head. And uh, <laughs> right? that boy, first of all, Orrin, Orrin was built with athletic legs and he would just run and jump off everything. In fact, our first apartment we lived in, the neighbor below us would take the broomstick and hit the ceiling because he would, he would come out of his room and never touch the floor. He'd be like, bam, off this, onto that couch, 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 woo, across the other couch, and then whoo, onto the kitchen floor because the floor was lava, I guess, right? And she'd be like, hey, quiet down. We're like, he's four, you know, <laughs> like this is what it is. Judah was also athletic, but 
he started walking at seven and trying to jump off the kitchen table at seven months old, not seven years. <laughs> the difference a sentence makes. If you finish the sentence, just one word changed the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, six years and five months difference. <laughs> Judah started walking at seven months old and tried to jump off the kitchen table at eight months old, right? Like, that's not okay. I, I went, I was a youth pastor. I went to youth group. He wasn't walking. I went to youth group just one night, Wednesday night youth group, right? It's not that long. I came back and Lacey stopped me at the door and she's like, call Judah to you. And you're like, I'm like, you know, like a puppy, like Judah. And he, she stands him up and he just walks across the house to me. And I was like, I, it was the twilight zone. I was like, what just happened? And he was a crazy man. But because he had a five head, that boy's head had knots and bruises all over it. And I couldn't protect him from what was happening because what was happening is what gets him forward in life. God is such a better father. And he is patient enough and he is faithful enough to let you learn to walk. My boy didn't have lumps on his head because we didn't care. He had lumps on his head because he charged forward every time he got a chance right it was like head first and we're the same way and God's patient enough to let you run around that same track every time and he knows there's a ditch and you probably should know there's a ditch and we sometimes when we don't deal with it we run and we fall in the same ditch over and over and over again what I shared last time I spoke, and I said that people would probably inbox me, and some of you were very nice and wrote very kind things on my inbox, and that was different than some of the inboxes I used to get when I was speaking for Jesus Culture. But, um, you know, I, I keep moving forward. I keep moving forward. I'm great with God, so don't, that, that was one of the things I wanted to make sure you get. I'm great with God. Me and God, we're good. We love each other. He loves me. I love him. Most successful place in life I could ever be is that place right there. So, but sometimes you move forward um, thinking you took care of something, but you didn't take care of all of it. And so I had some uh, circumstances that we went through in ministry where we got really hurt and people were involved. And I thought I walked through all of it because I walked through the people side of it and forgave and now great with them, and when we see them, it's great, conversation's great, hugs are great, like, it's all good, right? And so, walked through that, felt really good about it, um, but didn't realize that I hadn't fully walked through the pain. I kind of walked through the shallow end of the mud puddle and then went over the last part of it. And so, I, I started realizing um, this year probably the most that I could just feel a difference in the temperature of my heart. And, um, you know, Reinhard Bonnke, when I went to see him, he came in with a blue tie on and he threw it over his shoulder and he said, I should have wore my red tie so you could see the thermometer of my heart. And I was like, sweet Jesus. I thought it was a room half this size maybe. And I was like, it's, this room's not big enough for this to happen right now. But the thermometer of my heart, I, it hadn't changed drastically. Like I'm not reconstructing my faith. I'm fortifying my faith. So this, this isn't like a, but I had noticed just a degree of change in the thermometer of my heart, if I could explain it that way, to where things are still going good, still love Jesus, still in ministry, still love my family. Everybody's great. We love each other. We're having fun. We're doing great things. We're doing the school. We're doing the church. Love it all, right? Still seeing miracles. In fact, I just got a cool uh, testimony sent to me from a friend in Opelika, Alabama. I thought I'd share this with you. Her, um, Opelika, Alabama. Try to say that 10 times. But she, yeah, everybody's going to do it now. You're doing it in your head if you're not doing it out loud. Uh, she shared with me that her niece, who was a, um, <laughs> it's funny to use the word, but that's the way it was written, professional witch. <clears throat> and I'm like, does she get paid to do that? She was a professional witch, ended up having a massive encounter with Jesus. They've been praying for her forever, but had a massive encounter with Jesus, gave her life to Jesus, then started praying for her witch friends. And her witch friend, who's also a professional witch, I'm like, what kind of business attire is that, right? You're like, <laughs> anyway, um, also, so this guy who her niece was praying for had a massive encounter with Jesus, gave his life to Jesus. They start talking, 
and sharing their experience. And they said, well, let's put it out there in our witch forums. Um, this whole thing. You can't write this stuff. Let's put it out there like any witches who are interested in talking about Jesus, then we'll start meeting. Their first meeting, they got 70 witches that were interested in Jesus because Jesus is showing up and having massive life-changing encounters with witches. Is that cool? So I, I love what the kingdom is about. I love what Jesus is up to. I don't serve a dead God. I am not, um, I'm not running through the paces. I, am not, I have not moved into religious, you know, whatever. I love Jesus. I'm a son. I'm a son first and foremost, and that's what I'll always be. And I, I remember like it was yesterday being that 21-year-old kid that stumbled into Bethel Redding, and Jesus said, I choose you. And I was like, but I'm a drug dealer, but I'm, you know, they kicked me out of high school. They didn't want me, you know, like I don't have, I'm not worth this. And he said, I choose you. And he said that to me every day now for the last 20 years, you know, I choose you. And so I'm good with Jesus. But sometimes we need to stop and check the temperature and just wonder, like, is there a degree change? Is there a little bit of change inside of me? And yes, I, I noticed a change inside of me. And part of it was um, for me, and it's different for every single one of us. So for me, it was, I walked through it with people and I forgave people, right? Like forgiveness is massive. If you have something against your brother or against somebody, then I want to encourage you today. Like today is the day to start the process of forgiveness. I say start the process of forgiveness because for me, when I started the process of forgiveness with certain people, it was not just a, I forgive them. Because that, yeah, like I could feel that wasn't enough. I said it out of my mouth, but my heart was like, Meh, you know, like, like more like that. My heart turned its back on my mouth. And uh, so it was, uh, anybody been there? Where you're like, I forgive them. <laughs> I forgive them. I, your inflection changes. You're like, God, it sounds, I forgive them, you know? <laughs> it just doesn't feel right. Do I forgive them? I forgive them. It's the new F word in church, right? Forgive you. And, um, <laughs> is that, and, but it's huge. It's huge. It's huge. And so part of that forgiveness process was daily. Sometimes 10 times a day. Sometimes I will tell you while listening to 90s gangster rap music and forgiving people because that's where my heart was at for a couple months, right? I was listening to Tupac and some others and then forgiving, 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 forgiving. Watching The Godfather, forgiving, forgiving. <laughs> You're like, don't kill a horse and put the head in the bed. But it was daily forgiving, daily forgiving. If I can't be real with you, then I can't be here. So I'm going to be real with you. But it's daily forgiving. And it was multiple times a day forgiving. And, uh, you know, Sean Bowles had talked, uh, when we were at Bethel Atlanta, had talked, uh, had a message. Yeah, Bethel Atlanta. Um, had a message about, you know, you know you need to deal with something, not if you think about it once or twice, but if that thing comes up three times or more. And so when I would think about maybe some people that were involved in some pain in my life and it would go, then forgive. And they come back up, forgive. I'm like, okay, I need it. So the conversation was a long conversation with God and it was a short conversation with them. I mean, and this is the thing too. I had a conversation with one person that I felt like there was a massive trespass and I had a conversation with them and their reply to the conversation was like a wall. But you know what? I didn't have the conversation for them to respond the way that I expected them to respond because then I'd be putting my heart back in that place of having expectations that weren't met. I had the conversation because God prompted me that I needed to say these things and I needed to have this conversation and I needed to release this person from any judgment I had and I needed to ask for forgiveness for anything that I had to do in the exchange. And so I had that conversation and the person was very stoic and they said, I bet that was hard for you to say. That was the whole conversation, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I said. I was like, oh, they did. that was what they said. Okay, and so, but you know what? I needed to have that conversation because we, it is not okay to walk past pain. 
It is absolutely necessary as a son, as a daughter, that we fully, fully break down and walk through these things with God because that is where our full healing comes from rather than we learn the bad lesson of covering things up and acting like things are okay. So how do you do it? That's the big question, right? We could talk about it all day long, and you're like, cool, so you forgave and you walked on. So forgiveness. Uh, One of the things that convicted my heart in forgiveness is this, and you got to know the picture of this. You know, Jesus hanging on the cross. They've pierced his nails through his hands and his feet. He's bleeding. He's got a crown of thorns to make fun of him. They didn't do this to everybody that they crucified because crucifixion was a thing. They put a crown of thorns on his head to make fun of the fact that he said he was the king of the Jews or that people said he was the king of the Jews, that he was the savior. They made fun of him. They were throwing stuff at him. He was covered in spit from the walk to the cross because people were spitting on him because it was a sign of disapproval. And it still is. Then it was very normal, I guess. Now, less normal, because now you probably get punched in the mouth for spitting on somebody, right? But Jesus wasn't punching fools. He was just taking it on because that's what he was going to the cross for. But us, we would probably punch somebody if they spit in your face. But he's covered in spit. He's covered in his own blood. He's covered in dirt and dust. He's covered in lashings on his back. And he sits on the cross. And these people who make fun of him, they're not worshiping. They're not crying. They're not praying. They're not with him. They're against him. They're judging him. They're mocking him. They're making fun of him. And his final judgment was this. And this is what convicted my heart to really walk through forgiveness with people that I felt like I needed justice. Well, guess what? Heaven's justice is both sides win. We're used to justice where there's a winner and a loser. You pay me for what you did. The judge found in my favor, now you pay me this sum. Heaven's justice is both sides win because Jesus stands in the middle and just like this. So Jesus stood in the middle of every relationship that went wrong. Jesus stood in the middle of every heart that was crushed. Jesus stood in the middle of every time that you were going to get spit in your face or that you were going to turn and spit in someone else's. Jesus stood in the middle of all of it as judge and jury took it all on himself. And so I look at the cross and I think of Jesus' final judgment. They're piercing his side. They're rolling dice for his clothes in front of him before he takes his last breath. They're all ready. Who's going to get it? He looks up at heaven and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't understand. Surely they do not understand what they're doing. He knew that if people fully comprehended what was going on in the moment, that they would back away because Jesus, unlike us sometimes, sees deep down the heart of man and still sees that it is good. The convicting part of that verse, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, is he was getting crucified and I'm sitting here wanting justice because somebody did something I didn't like. How humbling is that? Or they cost me money. How humbling is that? Jesus on the cross, Father, forgive them. Because if they knew what they were doing, I don't think they would do it. Has faith in humanity while they crucify him. Beautiful and amazing. So it convicts my heart. Thank you, God, that even when I don't see it, this person was made in your image. And they're a son or a daughter. And you love them like crazy. And you accept them. And they're on a journey with you. And they're in a place in their journey. And I'm in a place in my journey. And our journeys may have clashed. But it doesn't mean they're bad. So, Father, forgive them. And I release them from judgment. And I do it every day, every day, every day. Sometimes it's our family members, right? God, forgive them. I forgive them. I forgive them. I forgive them for, I mean, that's the sozo right there. Father, I forgive my, for this, for making me feel abandoned, 
for not being there for me. I release them from judgment, and I choose, God, that you would please, Lord, just bless them. Let your blessings flow over them. Like, that's the next step of forgiveness, that we would then speak blessing over the person that we feel trespassed against us. And we start to speak blessing, and I got to the place where I started speaking blessing. I remember uh, Steve Backlund talked about a man that he counseled, and this man uh, had someone else in his church um, was having an affair with his wife and rubbing it in the guy's face. I'm like, California just legalized assault weapons and this happened in California. And I'm like, whoa, good thing it didn't happen then because I, I mean, could, I'm, I don't have anybody else in here, but <clears throat> that's the kind of trespass that gets you, you know, 40 years in jail, <laughs> right? Yeah. There's a, there's a country song about old Red. He's the darndest dog you'd ever seen. <laughs> Love got me in here and love will get me out, right? Like, there, it's just a thing. But this guy, instead of acting out against the guy, he starts going to Steve for counseling. And Steve and Danny Silk tell the guy, you need to figure out ways to bless this man. The heck I do? Bless this man? He said, yeah. Even if it's not for him, do it for your own heart. Because his heart was walking down a path. <clears throat> so this guy, yes. It's rough. Do you know what this guy did? I didn't have this happen. This guy would get $100 bills out of his bank, and every time he'd see this other man's car parked somewhere, he'd slide it through the window, attach it to the mirror, put it up under the handle of the car. He would put $100 in a small town, so he saw him. He would put a $100 bill on his car, never to know that it came from him, but just to bless the man. Convicting. This is the Christian life. Unbelievable. That will strain your heart. <laughs> Maybe I'm the only one. I'm like, Lord, you know that one of those, those prayers like, Lord, teach me patience? I don't really pray those because I'm like, life will make its way in there. And <laughs> like, I don't need to pray for it, right? Like, if you've lived more than a couple years, you know, like, I don't need to pray for patience because life, I mean, just driving around here. We talked about that last time I talked it's still happening. We pulled up five seconds after someone at a four-way stop, and they still waved me through, and I'm like, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this kind of courtesy. I don't have time for this kind of kindness. This is a, this is a kindness I'm not ready for. I'm like, just go. <laughs> so life will teach you things, right? I don't need to pray for it. And one of the things I didn't need to pray for was God, teach me that kind of forgiveness. Because it's like, no way. Do I ever want to learn that kind of forgiveness? But life makes a way. And God is patient. And God is kind. And God is faithful. So he will walk with you. And just like Judah's five head, he will let you get bumps on your head. Because he knows that those are learning bumps. He knows that those are you learning how to do it the good way. You can't run headfirst into the counter every time and not have it hurt. Like, it's going to hurt every time. So you learn to walk around the corner of the counter with your forehead, right? And that's how life works. So what happens when you feel a difference in the, the thermometer of your heart? What happens when you feel a difference in your temperature? What happens when your spirit just doesn't feel as fired up as it used to? What happens when you can feel your senses kind of start to dull a little bit? What happens when you feel your emotions start to harden, right? The Bible talks about the hardened heart so much because it's so important. What happens when you, it's time to stop. This works really well when you're going somewhere. But sometimes the best thing you can do is just stop. There's a verse in the Bible that says, be still and know that I am God. And sometimes when you experience trauma or pain, and, and it's not always an event, sometimes it's over time, it's enough little things that add up and you can feel that thing in your heart. One of the best things you can do is be still and know that he is God. Okay, how do I do that? Well, you start with be still and know. And then you break it down to be still. And then you get to the very beginning of the sentence and it's be 
And so I go all the way back to the beginning and I get back to the basics of what do I do right now because I can feel the temperature in my heart is off by a degree. So I be still and know that he is God. Be still and know. Be still. Be. I have to come all the way back to my foundation and I stop right there because the last thing I want is a crack in that foundation because I start to build on that and I have serious problems down the road. So I back all the way up to my foundation and it's just to be. See, you are a human being before you're a human doing. You're a human being. And your foundational place is to be. When you were born, he said be. And you get to stand right there. And so I back all the way up to my foundation. My foundation is sonship. My foundation is that young boy that walked in the church and he said, I choose you. My foundation is, yeah, but do you know all the things that I love you, son? Yeah, but what? I love you, son. Yeah, I love you. I didn't know how to be a son, right? Me and my dad were apart from the time I was 13. So I didn't really know how to be a son. He said, I love you, son. And he never changed the subject. Why? Because he was building my foundation. The most important place to live from is that place where you know you're a son or a daughter and you are much loved. Before you ever learn to love him in exchange, like he loves you first. That's why we love him. But you gotta stop with the he loves you first and just let that soak in for a while. Otherwise, we, we, we go into these religious motions. And so I go back to the beginning and I go back to my foundation and I sit there in my foundation. And I I remind myself, and I have those conversations with him, where I hear once again, I love you, son. I love you, son. See, for me, I didn't need to forgive people anymore. I needed to talk through my expectations I had. When I said, God, I'll give it all, and I'll go into the ministry, and I'll live my life this way, I had expectations for me. I had expectations for people, but I also had expectations for God. And some of them were that he was going to take care of my heart. And they may not have been spoken expectations, but they were expectations that rested inside of me. And so when people trespassed against me and I forgave them, I didn't realize that I held something a little bit about, uh, against God. Because I thought, well, he should have taken care of this. Or he should have maybe. Or what about my wife getting healed? Or what about that young man? That, that, you know? And I didn't know that I was doing it because I would never, ever, ever purposely hold it against God. When you think about it, it doesn't make sense in your mind. But something in your heart made it make sense. And so there was a trespass I needed to take care of. And it was no longer with people, but it was with me and God. Where I didn't want to fully invest my heart like 90 was good enough, but that last 4% I needed to reserve because what if it happens again? I can't have all of me invested. I might die, right? I don't have the energy. I don't have what it takes to go through that again. Anybody ever been there? Can we be honest? Are we, is this okay? Guys are very quiet. Maybe because I'm the only one talking. (sighs) I thought it was interesting that uh, Eric shared the, shared the verse that he shared this morning because um, it's the very first verse I wrote down when, uh, with this message. Um, but it's Isaiah 40, verse 31. Uh, but those who wait for the Lord. So the word wait, if you were to break that down, is those who expect, those who look for, and those who hope in the Lord. They that wait for the Lord will gain new strength and renew their power They will lift up their wings and rise up close to God like eagles rising towards the sun. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not grow faint. So when I saw a little temperature change in my heart, what have I been doing? I've been stepping back to the beginning of my foundation and I'm learning to be again from that place. To, to, to start to seal those cracks. And so I'm waiting on the Lord. What does waiting look like? I'm putting my expectation in his ability to meet me right where I'm at. I'm putting my hope back fully in him as a father who is good all the time. I am looking for him once again in that area of my heart that I had kind of sequestered. I had put to the side and said, that's a painful spot. Let's just keep that over here and we'll keep walking. That's a weight we are not designed to carry. Man can carry heavy amounts of weight for short distances, but we are not meant to carry big weight for long distance. It's a weight that you are not meant to carry. You are not built for that. And so I have to stop and I have to put down that weight and I have to expect 
and I have to hope and I have to look for him to meet me right here where I'm at. Not me to go find something or fix something, but me to stand and be and me to wait on the Lord because I know in that waiting that he will renew my strength. I know in that waiting I'll rise up like I have wings like an eagle. I know in that waiting that there will be restoration of my heart and soul in areas that I tried to skip past. I refocus. I reset my expectations. I make sure that they're healthy expectations. I reset my hope. Hope is the soil that faith grows in. Hope is the soil that faith grows in. So I reset my hope. And I, I start to tend to my soil. Because sometimes you get, get going, get going, and you don't realize there's some weeds in there. And those weeds are no big deal until they grow. And then they will choke out the things that you're wanting to grow. The Bible says a root of bitterness will defile many. See, it doesn't start as a root of bitterness. It doesn't start as bitterness. It just starts as a little seedling. Right? It's, ooh, that didn't feel good. And we try to skip past it and we keep walking. And then that thing starts to grow a little bit. And pretty soon that root, it's a tap root. And it starts to grow and it starts to go down into the foundation of who we are and if we don't tend to it then guess what that thing is a lesson we learn and we carry it around and just like Randall said if we don't transform our pain we will transmit our pain being a pastor for 20 years and Chris and Terry can, can account for this and you know Brad and Ann and anybody in here that's that's worked in ministry can see this um, a lot of church growth is not new growth it's transferred growth not all growth is is uh, is good I'm not talking to anybody in here, so don't be like, oh, he's pointing at us. It's not true. Not all growth is good because some growth is people that instead of walking through pain and dealing with what happened, because church hurt is church hurt, right? Instead of dealing what happened, we hop, skip, and jump over that one, or we run around it, and we find a new place to be. Problem is you're not being, you're doing. You're moving past. And so you take that same thing into the next place. And I've sat with people who have said, this is what my old pastor did. And four years later, they're telling someone else, this is what Scott did. Same exact thing. Why? Because they have the lenses of that pain on and they see every exchange with pastors in their life through those lenses. And everything you do equals that same hurt again because we didn't take care of it. We just skip over it. We walk around it. We put all our expectation on someone else to lead me, feed me, serve me, do the thing, have a vision, save the city. And then when it doesn't go the way we expected, we go, there it is again. Another pastor, another leader that's so irresponsible with the people that they're leading. Guess what? I don't want to lead you. I want to walk with you. These guys here aren't trying to like build some fancy thing. No empire of dirt. We want to just build a family of radical, powerful people. We don't want a big church. We want big people. We want people that learn to live from the heart. That learn to lead themselves through the spirit of God into the field in life that God has called them to. You've been uniquely gifted, uniquely called, uniquely equipped as you to go into your life and be you fully because all of creation eagerly awaits the revealing of you. We, we, we don't care about big church. If we wanted to do big church, I would have went to a big church. And I would have been doing the thing in a big church and collecting the check at a big church and doing big church stuff. I don't, I like big churches. I don't enjoy big church. And if this church grows to be a big church, we still got to keep it feeling small somehow because it's got to be about family first. And this is what we're doing. Fix it approach is based on my ability. The waiting approach is based on his ability. The fix-it approach is what I can do to patch and cover up and sand and repaint, act like nothing ever happened. Randall spoke last week and he showed a bowl at the end, people's heirlooms that had broken, and this artist then took gold 
and he would put them back together with gold. And he didn't try to cover up the gold veins through it, but the gold veins in it actually took the heirloom and highlighted the broken spots and made it into art and actually made it worth more than it was at the beginning. Because some of them were just hand-me-downs that meant something to the person's heart. They still were that thing. But now it was that plus it was worth thousands and thousands of dollars more than it was because this artist did this. And that's what God does to the pain in our hearts. See, we, we just want to spackle and sand and maybe even before the spackling's dry and just paint over it, right? And we're like, it, it, they're never going to know. They'll never know, right? We're just like, yeah, they're going to know. They're not, they're never going to know. And we just put lipstick on it, right? It's beautiful. <laughs> See, God finds beauty in those cracks, when we choose to walk with him, that's the most beautiful part. Life can be painful. It's not all sunshine and roses. Who would want that anyway, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's not all sunshine and roses. The ability to wait on the Lord, the ability to walk with him, the ability to walk through things with him, to find healing in him, to walk out the other side. Because you know what? You're, you're not just a get through it person. You're more than a conqueror. The thing is, conquering comes from battle. We want to have a battle-free Christianity. We have a conquer-free Christianity that way. We, we, we move into religion. You were not given a spirit of religion. And so conquering comes from battle, and battle comes from walking forward through things rather than skirting around them. The path of least resistance isn't always the most powerful path. Sometimes conquering can only come through the path, the path of most resistance. I talked to Banning when I was having a really hard time through part of this, and he always says he's, his job in my life is to hit me over the head with the two-by-four of truth. And I'm like, banning. I'm bleeding though. And he's like, brace yourself. There's a, there's a part, there's a part in, uh, <laughs> in Job when God's talking to Job and he says, Job, prepare yourself like a man because I'm about to ask you questions. And I'm like, that sounds serious. That's the best part of the whole thing. God says, prepare yourself like a man because I'm about to ask you questions. You're like, how do I, how do, I do that? Like, <laughs> find your base, right? <laughs> You're like, prepare yourself like a man. I'm like, I don't know what that looks like, God, but it sounds like this is about to get serious. And Banning would say things like that to me. And then he would ask the hard questions. And I'm like, and he'd say, Scott, why do you want to take the easy road? You are not, the call on your life cannot afford you to take the easy road because you will find yourself at a destination that you were never prepared to be at. Some of the painful things we walk through, God is not the author of, but he is the finisher of. And he finishes them with you. And people can, you know, disappoint you and hurt you. And times can disappoint you and hurt you. And loss can disappoint you and hurt you. But God is building you through those things. Not because bad things are good. But because he takes everything and he turns it into good in your life. And that is weird when we think about a good God. But he is so good that he is willing to walk through tragedy with you. And build you through that and strengthen you through that because he sees the end from the beginning and he knows that it's good and he knows that it's worth it. Plus he looks in you and he knows that there's something great in there. I'm gonna read you a verse. Are you okay with that? Sure, why not, right? Listen to this. This is the Passion Translation. Passion Translation, so I, I read lots of different translations. Uh, when I read the Passion Translation is when I'm reading um, anything with sonship or anything to deal with the heart because I just think that it's, it's so beautiful. And then I'm going to end because we're supposed to be done. I guess that's what it feels like. <laughs> Lacey said we are. And you know, this, this is funny too. Leif just posted this uh, this morning. Yeah. Leif just posted this too. And I looked it up on my Bible app on my phone. And then I saw it right there on Instagram. His post says Abba on the front. And then he lists this. Um, but it's Romans chapter 8, verse 15 through 17, and it's in the Passion Translation. It says, you did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough, but you have received the spirit of full acceptance. 
That's what we talk about. Walk backwards. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know. Be still. Be. You have received the spirit of full acceptance, and that is the place that I take my first step from. I got an A plus on the test before I ever took it. I'm a son. I'm a much loved son. I'm not working for retirement. I'm working from inheritance. Think about that. Not working for anything. I'm working from something. I'm not doing for anything. I'm being from something. My foundation, son, sonship. It's where I take my first step from, the spirit of full acceptance. Are you guys all right? I'm just preaching to myself at this point. I don't care. Okay. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up with us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. That is my foundation. That is the place that I wait. That is the place that I let sink down inside of me. That is the place that changes the thermometer of my heart, that heals me, and it doesn't happen overnight. This is a place where I sit and I remind myself over and over and over again until I feel fully healed from that thing. Other parts of my life are going and doing and ah, everything. We're building the house and we're moving our stuff and we're ah, Cancun and ah, kids graduating 18 years old, same week, he's off doing something over there. Where's Judah? I don't, so life is happening, right? Woo! But right here in my heart, I'm just gonna be. I don't have to be anything for anybody. I don't have to prove anything for anybody. I don't have to put together a cheerleading sermon for the church because they'll, they'll quote me more on Instagram and woo more that morning because it's a feel-good message. I can be honest and I can be raw and I can lay it out there because I know that's where I'm at with my Savior right now. And that's where he's meeting me. And that's where he's ministering to me. And that's where my heart is growing and healing. And so that's what I'm gonna do. So I wake up in the morning and I walk out to the back of the property and I soak in that with all my bug spray. <laughs> and I make sure my foundation is good because the last thing I wanna do is build on a cracked foundation. I put my heart before my Savior. Yeah, there it is. All of it. <laughs> the good, the bad, the ugly. Right? Yep. That's the part that hurts. That's the part I was protecting. That's the part I thought maybe I couldn't really trust you with because of what happened. I thought, I don't want that to happen again. I really am going to end. I, I... You know, most back injuries have nothing to do with the injury anymore after time goes by. Do you know what it is? It's muscle memory. The muscles remember the trauma and the body tightens them all up to protect that area from it getting hurt again, but it hurts every single day because of that. Sometimes it pulls the hip up, so one leg's shorter than the other, not because the bone's shorter, but because the back is so tight, and then you start walking and you're, you're walking off balance. So then that starts affecting your other knee or your ankle. And then all of a sudden you got neck pain over here. Why? Because trauma happened and the body never let go of it. And it, and it thought, I'm going to protect it, but it does more damage than good by protecting. Do you know what happens when people's backs get healed most of the time? And we've seen it happen. Legs grow out. It's not a bone growing. Do you know what happens? Perfect love shows up and casts out all fear. And the body doesn't have to fear anymore. And the Prince of Peace resides in that place. So peace takes over and the muscle goes and lets go. And you see a leg grow out and you're like, their leg grew out. No, trauma was resolved because peace and love showed up and took residence where fear and hurt were. And the body goes and receives healing. Some of us are walking around 
protecting ourselves, protecting our hearts. And it, and it, and it started from trauma and it hurt. Now, now all of a sudden, hip doesn't feel good. The other knee, what, why the other knee? I don't know, because you're, you're using it more. You're favoring this side, so you're using this side more. And now my ankle, oh, my neck, I wake up every morning, my neck's stiff. I don't know what's going on. I got these pains in different places of life. Why? Because pain, when it goes unanswered, when the conversation is run around or skirted around, it, it just kind of sits there and grows. And so sometimes you gotta stop. You gotta invite love in. Cast out the fear. Sometimes that takes some time, right? Miracles, instant. Healing, sometimes it takes time. So we let love come in and love casts out that fear. And we let perfect peace come in. And where perfect peace comes in, things start to relax. And we let the body come back in line with what we know to be true, with the way we were built and designed to be. We come back to our foundation and we line back up with sonship and we rest in the peace and love of a good, good God. And then from that place, we can go on with life. But if we never do that, then we just end up limping later on. We go to the chiropractor and we go to the doctor and then they'll try to give you some pills for it, but that doesn't take care of it. It just kind of masks it and it grows and then pretty soon we're somewhat immobile. And it's the same with the heart. Or we find ourselves in a Michael Jackson thriller video, and that's weird. Can you stand with me? How do I just be? Well, crazy enough, you just, you just do. You stop. You take the time to have the conversation with him. You take the time to be honest. You practice patience with your own healing. You give yourself ample amounts of grace and mercy because you can be your worst judge and your worst critic. So you give yourself permission to slow down. You give yourself permission to breathe. You, just like David did, you know the key of David, just like David did, you be honest with God, even if it sounds like whining and complaining sometimes. David sounds like a baby in some parts of the Bible. You're like, bro, you wrote songs about this? Like, lots of them. But you can see what happens with David. He's complaining and he's crying out. Why have you forsaken me? My enemies are all around me like dogs. They're gonna devour me. And somewhere in the Psalm, all of a sudden David's like, but God, you are faithful. You're like, it's the opposite of what you just said. And he goes on and on about how great God is. Why? Because in the complaining and in the whining and in the processing and in the letting it out and in the being honest with God, he met God right there in his pain. And his spirit was built up and his soul was strengthened and breath came back in his lungs and all of a sudden he has wings again. So be honest with God. That's how you be. Be honest with God. Be patient with yourself. Be merciful towards your own heart. Give yourself a break. Give yourself some slack. Maybe cancel a few things that you have on your calendar just to take time. Maybe wake up 20 minutes earlier and walk out to the back of the backyard and just have a morning with God. Not trying to get a message together, not trying to do the next thing, not trying to get an answer, but just going, hey God, here I am. It's beautiful this morning. <laughs> so just be, that's how you do it. Take your time, it's different for all of us. And you invite God in, but I don't feel anything, that's okay. This isn't feelings based. It's heart based. I'm gonna put my heart out there one more time. Hey God, here I am again. And I'll remind myself by reminding him, thank you that you love me so much. Thank you that you accepted me at my worst. You are so good to me, God. You are so patient with me. You're so kind to me. You humble me through your love and your acceptance. I didn't know how to be a son, but you sure did know how to be a father. And you made me a good son in my own eyes, not just yours. And now you've grown me into being a father. Wow. I look at my own kids and I go, God, I see what you saw now. I see what you saw. Even when they're boogers, I love the heck out of them. <laughs> not Ava, but the other two. 
<laughs> Ava's never a booger. <laughs> Ava's just perfect. But the boys, they could be boogers. But I love the heck out of them. I'd never turn my back on them. They could, they could run wild. Thank God they don't. They could run wild, and I love the heck out of them. God, I see what you saw. Thank you for seeing that in me. Thank you for being such a good dad. So I just remind myself. And from that place, healing just starts to wash over. Can you put a hand on your heart? Stephen, you want to come up? He said, invite me up at the end. And now he's gone. I'm like, I don't really need to. And he's like, no, do it. Invite me up at the end. He's gone. Is he coming? Hey, Stephen, you want to come up? <laughs> he was ready. I thought you weren't here. I was like, oh, no. He said, no, he would never do that. I don't need to fix it. I need to wait in it. I need to understand it. You know what another weird one is? Sometimes prolonged pain, like I'm not trying to shove the pain aside, but I'm actually going to embrace the pain right now is the road to healing. But I don't want pain. Yeah, I know. But I tell you, the way to not have pain, sometimes you got to embrace it in his presence. And go, look it, this hurts. Here's my heart. Got a little cut right there. A little dirt on it. I kept going. And I just started getting tired. I'm not going to do that anymore. God, I'm not going to run from you. I'm not going to run from life. I'm not going to act like everything's normal. Here it is. So this morning, I want to, I was going to say encourage you, but I want to challenge you. Because you'll get encouragement from him if you do this. I want to challenge you. Is there unforgiveness in your heart? Forgiveness doesn't mean you let the person have the same access to the same place in your life again. Some people are not trustworthy with the things of the heart. It's okay. That's them. That's not you. So I go, you know what? They no longer have access to that place in me, but I will not hold the judgment over their head and in turn hold it over my own. The Bible is very clear. The things you've forgiven others, the Father forgives in you. Like we are meant to be a people of forgiveness. It's just like part of the, the groundwork of who we are. He didn't expect us to hold things over each other. He expected us to hear that one and go, oh, okay, I'll forgive everybody. Like that's it. It's built in you. So I forgive people. I release them from my judgment. In turn, I release myself from the same judgment. I release myself from bitterness. I, I release myself from anger. I release myself from hate. I, I like to feel that I don't have any enemies. I might have people who don't like me, but I'm not their enemy because for them to be, for me to be their enemy, I have to be their enemy. And sorry, I'm not going to participate in that. I don't have enemies. I don't hate people. It's not healthy to hate people. Even people that have done horrible things. I don't hate them. I don't understand them. I don't fully trust them, but I don't hate them. I release them. I put my hands up. Anthony Skinner has a song, when love digs in the trash, throw your hands up. Woo, Jesus has been digging in my trash lately. I'm like, yep, God, <laughs> I'll just throw my hands up. Because it's better to throw my hands up than to try to conceal or hide or protect. That just ends up with more problems down the road. So here I am best place in life you can be, fully surrendered, hands in the air, Jesus, all of me. I was going to say, take it or leave it, but he always takes it. Amen. He loves you like crazy. He calls you good. He says, you're enough. You've not received a spirit of religious duty, but you've received the spirit of full acceptance. He fully accepts you. He fully loves you. He's fully crazy about you. Jesus, I ask that this truth would just wash over this family, God. That we would be a people of forgiveness. That we would be a people of healing. Healed people, heal people. Hurt people, hurt people. That we would be a, a, a healing people. That we would carry healing. Lord, that we would be a, a, a people that are more than conquerors. Victorious, spotless bride, like Eric said. Remind your soul. 
So, bless the Lord. Wake up in the morning. Go out there and bless the Lord. Stop when things get heavy. Put down the weight. Here I am, God. Have the conversations you need to have with him. Do the things that he prompts your heart to do. Even if the response is not what you expected, you did what he put in your heart to do. And that's all you can do. You're in control of yourself on a good day. God, teach us what it is to be a people of health, of wholeness. Teach us what it is to truly do family. Teach us what it is to live in covenant instead of convenience. Teach us what it is to walk through pain and get healing rather than be a fix-it people based on our own abilities. Teach us what it is to be. Teach us what it is to be still. Teach us what it is to know that you are God. In Jesus' name, everybody said?